Chapter Two of Chinese Diamonds for the King of Kings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Beth Thomas. Chinese Diamonds for the King of Kings by Rosalind Goforth. Chapter Two Characters from One Village. Part One Wang Yi. The large and prosperous village of Takwan Chuang is situated twelve miles southeast of Changte. As in most villages in China, it had its best or headman and its worst character, the leader of the worst element. In this case, the former was Wang Yi, the latter a man named Liang. In the December of blank, a men's Bible class was being conducted at the main station by Mr. M, when to the surprise of all, this notoriously bad Liang was led in by one of the Christians, who begged that he might be permitted to join the class, as he was breaking off opium and wanted to be a good man. As the days passed, poor Liang seemed incapable of taking in anything. He slept most of the time, and would fall asleep the moment Mr. M began speaking, and his snores, to say the least, were most disturbing. At last the missionary's patience became exhausted, when an unusually loud snore reached his ears. Liang was told he had better leave, as his presence was useless to himself and disturbing to others. The man returned home apparently much crestfallen, and all thought he would never return. But a deeper work than others knew of had begun in him. On his return home, his changed life became the talk of the village. Wang Yi, the headman, who was probably the wealthiest farmer in the region, heard of Liang's becoming a Christian, and of his wonderfully changed life. He talked with Liang, and soon became interested. The missionary, Mr. G, hearing of the movement in this village, was preparing to pay them a visit, when he received the following letter from Wang Yi. Honourable Teacher Kiao, I hear you are planning to visit me. Do not come. When I get one hundred others to believe as I do, I will come to you, not before. This message awakened much interest in the man, and day by day he was remembered in prayer. Several weeks passed, when one day Wang Yi appeared at the missionary's door, a typical burly well-to-do farmer. He lost no time in coming to his point. The first greetings over, he said, I want to see through your home, may I? The missionary led him through each room. The sewing machine puzzled him. Not till it had been opened and examined inside would he believe but that a witch had made such stitches. When at last the kitchen was reached, Wang Yi turned and said abruptly, But is there nothing more? No, replied Mr. G. Nothing except the cellar. The cellar! Wang Yi exclaimed. Why, that is what I wanted to see most of all. Down they went. Then he began a vigorous search. The book boxes, then the coal, and inside of the furnace was examined. Then, when apparently satisfied, he faced the missionary, saying, Well, we Chinese are liars. A neighbour of mine told me he had seen in your cellar great crocks filled with children's flesh salted down. The two returned to the study, when a long and earnest talk followed, at the close of which Wang Yi asked to have his name recorded as a probationer. Some days later Wang Yi reappeared, leading a large band of the chief men of his village. These he insisted on personally conducting through the house. On reaching the cellar, Wang Yi became much excited. Now look everywhere, he urged. Look now, see if there are any of those dead children you told me of. Will you ever lie to me about these missionaries again? The men seemed very humble and not at all resentful. Later Wang Yi took them all into the city and treated them to a good dinner before returning home. Nor was this all. A few days passed when again Wang Yi appeared, this time with a large wheeled cart drawn by six mules and loaded down with women, all the women he could coax to come. 
These he led through the same process of enlightenment as the men. This time Wang Yi's face was a study, beaming as it was with delight, as he saw the women's fears giving way to astonishment and delight at what they saw. With one or two exceptions, all of these women became Christians. Within a very short time, a flourishing little church existed in Wang Yi's village. Year by year the church grew, till the cloudburst of 1900. Most, if not all the Christians, suffered in that terrible time of persecution. Wang Yi lost heavily. Animals and grain were stolen, his life threatened, but he remained faithful. The storm passed. The missionaries returned. Work was reorganized. The Chinese government ordered indemnity to be given to the Christians for their losses. Then, like many others, Wang Yi, though brave and faithful in peril and persecution, fell under prosperity. He gave in false estimates of his losses and received in proportion. God knew, though the missionaries did not. Year by year, the church at Ta Kuao Chuang declined. Then came a time of wonderful revival at Changte. Wang Yi sent his son to the meetings. The missionary missed his old friend and sent the son home to bring his father. When Wang Yi arrived, he met Mr. G with, Why did you send for me? I am too old, and anyway, I've no sins to confess. That night, poor Wang Yi seemed shaken as by a tempest. Hour after hour he wept. Those in the same room with him knew not what to do, for Wang Yi would say nothing. When morning came, Wang Yi sent a message to Mr. G, saying, Oh, pastor, give me a chance to confess before the meeting. I can't bear this, I will burst. The missionary met Wang Yi a little later near the church door. With their arms round each other and tears flowing freely, they entered the building. Reaching the platform, Wang Yi cast himself down on his knees, weeping bitterly. For several moments nothing could be heard but the man's sobs and sympathetic weeping throughout the audience. At last he made a full confession. He told how the church had gone down, down, and how when the missionary would question him as to the cause, he would reply, The time for blessing has not come. He took the whole blame upon himself. He said it was not until he had come to the meetings that his eyes had been opened to the fact that he had been deceiving himself and trying to deceive God and man. He promised full restitution and kept his promise. From that time, Wang Yi's Christian character grew more and more in the likeness of his master. He is now an old man of well-nigh eighty, ready for the call, beloved and honoured by his fellow Christians, and surrounded by his family to the fourth generation. Part 2. Wang Yi's Neighbours The great plain of north-central China stretches for six hundred miles north and south. The villages are, for the most part, as thick as the homesteads in the more thickly populated districts of western Ontario. It was while visiting in one of these villages, Ta Kuan Chuang, that the writer came to know and love the characters sketched here. First there comes to mind Wang Yi's aunt, the leading woman of her class, the one who chaperoned the women's party on their first visit to the missionary's home. She was the first woman to be baptised, and was always for years, till called home, the one who most delighted in extending to us the hospitality of her home. Then there was Wang Yi's gentle, frail little wife, a striking contrast to the strong-minded, masterful personality of the aunt. This little woman seemed to spend her time sitting on a low stool in front of the great family cauldron or pot in which the food was cooked. As she fed the fire with long-dried cornstalks, she directed her household, her sons and daughters-in-law, her grandchildren, and later even great-grandchildren, not in the loud and stormy tones usually heard in heathen homes, but with a quiet dignity and self-command which often astonished the writer. What a monotonous life hers was! Day after day, year after year the same. No summer holidays for her. 
Was it much wonder she appeared always like a worn-out, tired-out human machine? Her faith was the faith of a little child, but she seemed incapable of fixing her mind on herself, so long and systematically had she thought of others. She too has passed on. Then comes Mrs. Lee, one of the first to accept Christ. Long-standing eye trouble was fast destroying her eyesight, to save which she came to the women's hospital at Changte. Her one earnest request was that she might be permitted to hold the writer's hand during the operation, which was performed without chloroform. When it was all over, she rose and said, Oh, Jesus was beside me through it all. Among the first converts in this village were two women, widows of two brothers. For years these women had never allowed the burning incense to become extinguished before the family tablets. They were both earnest devotees of a heathen religious sect. These women accepted Christ as their saviour at the same time. The elder, whom we called Sung Tasao, had a wonderful answer to prayer early in her Christian life. A young nephew whom she was bringing up as her own, she was childless, became critically ill with an enlarged spleen, a terribly fatal disease. Hearing of another Christian having had her child restored to health in answer to prayer, when the doctor had pronounced him past hope, she gave herself to prayer for her nephew, who was completely restored. This proof of the reality and power of God made a deep impression on the band of young Christians. It was the second Mrs. Sung, however, who was next to Wang Yi himself, the character of the village. I shall not attempt to describe her appearance, especially as she looked when in winter garb, her clothes being quite as heavily wadded as a bedquilt, but undoubtedly she could truthfully say, as another old lady said when seeing her photo for the first time, I'm certainly the most unbeautifulest woman under heaven. From the time of her conversion she was eager to preach the gospel, but her appearance was against her. Miss M. tried again and again to use her as a Bible-woman. Then I tried her, but in vain. She could not hold an audience for five minutes. And yet, of all our Christian women, she was the most earnest. She could support herself, and was entirely free, being motherless, so she had to return home, and for years did what she could in her own region. Then one day she came to Our Lady Doctor, and begged that she might have a place to spread her bed, so that she might work among the women patients and try to lead them to Jesus. The doctor hesitated, knowing the merriment her appearance caused, but decided to try her. That was more than three years ago, and Mrs. Sung is still working faithfully among the patients. She has found her nook. She keeps herself, and is happy as the day is long in teaching the women to pray and learn the simple gospel leaflets. Her face so shines with joy and contentment as to appear almost lovely to those who know her. There are others worthy of being introduced to you, my reader, but there is room for only one more. Mr. and Mrs. Wang Chang Ling were among the earliest believers. Mrs. Wang was slow to learn. How could she be otherwise, never having read a word in her life? Accustomed to the hardest toil in the fields and in the home, her face and hands showing only too plainly what privation and hardship she had come through and then at fifty years of age trying to master the christian catechism it is no wonder she would sigh and say i shall never learn to read and then in her characteristic way look up and say but never mind i can pray anyway she always had a bright smile of welcome and would take one's hand and thank us again and again for coming then the boxer uprising came both mr and mrs wang chang ling suffered greatly the boxers came to their home, bound and carried off the husband. For days the wife knew not what had become of him. He suffered much at the hands of his captors, but finally made his escape, 
for three months he was driven from place to place until nigh unto death but as he testified god never left him and always provided a way of escape and raised up friends when most needed and least expected when he was fleeing for his life his wife suffered too the soldiers came bound her and carried her off to the changte official she afterwards testified that when being taken away thus not knowing but that even death awaited her she felt so happy she could not keep from singing she was beaten two hundred blows to make her tell where her husband was then her finger was twisted but she remained firm and true through it all on our return in nineteen blank, the writer cannot forget though many years have since passed the joy of meeting these dear people but it was but a short meeting both husband and wife died shortly after within a few days of each other both witnessing triumphantly the hope of the christians to the life everlasting Quote, they shall hunger no more neither thirst any more neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them into living fountains of waters and god shall wipe away all tears from their eyes End quote. End of chapter 2